0: She puts her hand on the unmade bed, presses and squeezes a bit of the duvet between her fingers. It is Thursday, 8.32 in the morning, and it is the laundry day, the one day in a week when the morning rustles in the crumpled textiles and mellows under the weight of warm water. She has chosen Thursday to be this day of the week when she keeps her dwelling in order and indulges in such a normal yet muffled activity. It shouldn't be weekend, because this way the process would be redolent of the boring weekend cleanups that her parents were so persistent with. Weekend is the time to celebrate leisure and joy by raising a glass, a coupe, or a teacup. Laundry can and should be joyful as well, don't get her wrong, but weekend molds better around a conventionally joyful activity. For her, Thursday is an equator marking the end of a sprint at work and greeting the beginning of a peculiar amalgam of everything and work just a tiny bit to go. A blanket that coddles you on a whistling rainy day. A pillowcase that lulls you into viscous sleep. A button-up that whispers, you look fabulous. A stray sock that gives you a reason to scold your loved one. All these objects seem replaceable in theory and indispensable in practice, so you'd better take care of them. This is the lesson that she pulled from one evening accident when she discovered a tomato sauce blotch on the collar of her turtleneck. How could it physically land on the collar? What could be the trajectory? The stain turned out to be incurable for the simple reason of her missing out on the right moment to treat it. After several vigorous cleaning efforts and a couple of rhetorical questions, a solemn promise to be more careful was sealed over a piece of chocolate cake. No chocolate stains this time. While dusting the shelves makes little visible difference, laundry exhales cleanliness and care in a palpable way, perceived by almost all human senses. You catch a whiff of chamomile. You see the marbling wrinkles on clothes trace of a recent contact with water. You touch the roughened cotton and the softened wool. You hear the crisp of fabrics brushing against each other in a neat stack. She now sits on the edge of the bed, the hands sinking in the deep softness of duvet. She tilts her head back and closes her eyes. She makes out the silhouette of her body, partly covered, partly bare, on her right side, legs tangled in the blanket. It was six-seventeen in the nightly morning when the cool darkness was drenching the room. The only thought wading through her sleepy mind was whispering that she had so much time left to lie warmly beside her sleeping loved one. Now through the palms of her hands she feels the warmth that her entire body was enveloped in just two hours ago. She opens her eyes, straightens her back and leans forward, placing her arms on the lap. She shakes her head to flick off the cloying drowsiness roused by the memories of the 6 a.m. languor. She stands up, her feet aligned into the first ballet position, toes pointing at the poles of the room. She lifts her pillow, tosses it out of its case and throws the case onto the floor. Arching her back, she stretches to reach for his pillow on the other side of the bed. She pulls the pillow, drowns her face in it and inhales. Only the smell of a dear person can be the one of freshly baked bread. She's doubting if both of the cases must be washed. Four seconds later, she pouts her lips, shakes the pillow out of its case, and sends a swish over to the laundry pile forming in the corner. She grabs the duvet and unbuttons its wavy edge. For every pattern and color of the bed linen set, the duvet cover comes with two types of the closing element – a zipper and a string of buttons. Because on that one day in the textile department of the shop she dared deny the technological advancement of the sweet dreams industry, she has already had to resolve some of the buttons twice. First time, because the threads were too loose. Second time, because her sewing endeavor made the threads even looser. She pulls off the duvet cover and contributes it to the laundry pile on the floor. The sheets slide smoothly from the mattress, one corner squeezed in her hand. No curious story for the exemplary sheets. She bends down and lifts the scrambled pile from the floor. She walks into the bathroom and crams the linen into the washing machine. From a laundry basket she draws three t-shirts. Two of them are his, and just one is hers. Hers is the most boring one, a simple white v-neck that she usually pairs up with grey leggings. In this outfit, she flutters around the apartment and strikes an occasional yoga pose as a mirror appears in her way. His t-shirts, on the other hand, are more sloth than yoga use of garments. Bright colors, Simpson characters munching on donuts, a Batman's bat and a Superman's ass. She does snatch them every now and then. She sends the t-shirts into the washing machine to wriggle alongside bed linen. She sprinkles a capful of powder detergent onto the clothes and closes the door, flips the switch onto the echo mode of 45 minutes. Time to dive into the delicate hand wash. She has a little basket of her own pushed under the lower shelf in the wardrobe. Into this basket she throws her lingerie and nighties. They require special care and attention to preserve their pristine condition. The custom to wash delicates by hand was conceived out of a quest for symbolical value rather than a practical necessity. She is too young and too pragmatic to cherish a collection of fine porcelain figurines or cheap perfume bottles belonging to oil and canvas duchesses. It is thanks to laces and ribbons that she soothes the longing of her secret innate collector. She picks up the basket and walks back into the bathroom. Under the washstand are a box with soaps and creams, dried lavender twigs and hand towels, and a basin. She fills the basin with very warm water, the one that gently burns one's hands. Under the touch of white soap powder, the water foams and gurgles. She plunges the cottons and silks into the pinkish water, and her hands disappear under the cappuccino-like foam. The whipped water and floating clothes look like melted ice cream streaked with raspberry confiture and caramel. Her hands twirl around in freestyle strokes, and her fingers fish a piece of cloth. The fabric gloves her left hand. She gently rinses the cotton with the pads of her fingers. A few times she squeezes the cloth in her hands and lets go of it into the blurry water. Almost by accident, two of her smallest fingers hook another cloth. Her eyes develop an analog picture of flowering black lace. She rubs the paddle of fabric between the palms of her hands, strokes the fringy edge of the lace. She repeats a similar ritual with every other piece in the basin, giving to each one of them her fullest devotion and her most genuine care. Water the unruly elements and playful splashes onto her kneaded sweater and forearms bared under the rolled up sleeves. The polka dots imprinted by water are akin to the ones of a wet Dalmatian, the one belonging to her sweet elderly neighbors and not to the baroness creepiness. She brushes the roaming hair strand out of her eyes, straightens her back and lets out an exhale, feeling too hot because of the mist bathing in the bathroom. Thirty-six minutes later, she catches a jingle produced by the washing machine and hurries back to unload it. She swishes the machine's door open and pulls out wet locks of obstinately resistant clothes, first given the t-shirts, with hers being the naughtiest one. Who could doubt that? Oh no, she forgot to set up the drying rack. Instead of putting down the t-shirts to have her hands free, she flings them onto her forearm and drags the rack from the slot between the washing machine and the wall. With one of her arms being perfectly ballet-stretched and another one performing pagan twists, she pitches the rack in the middle of the small bathroom. Right in the middle, with its diagonal following no conspicuous geometric motif of the bathroom angles. Time to hang the t-shirts. She secures the balance of the rack by putting the t-shirts down in the middle. She then lifts one of the t-shirts in the air and gives it a good shake. She hangs it onto the grill and washes the other t-shirts with effortless verve. She squats down beside the washing machine and holds out a pile of... everything. Of everything, including his orange sock, which was not even supposed to be there. She shakes and hangs the pillowcases, tackles the sheets, and finally grapples with the duvet case. There is not much space for the stray sock, so she hangs it on the junction between the legs of the rack. Washing machine unloaded, time to turn to the sacred basin. She scoops up the fabrics and rings them decisively. She rinses every piece in the light, cool water. She rings, shakes, and hangs everything on the rack. She has left free a couple of branches just for her delicates, not for the orange sock. Fung. The Thursday morning laundry is over. She steps back from the drying rack and casts a glance at her bathroom. Everything is polished, put in place, clean. And only the drying rack stands boastfully in the middle of the room. It doesn't look untidy. The room is in perfect order, order of the home where people actually live, of the home which is being looked after. Till tonight, she winks at the drying clothes, turns away, and steps out into the day. Luminous time of the day to everyone! thank you for listening to today's story about quite an unusual but relatable subject that is laundry. As always, I'm going to tell you a bit about the writing process, the inspiration. So, laundry has never been my favorite household chore. Never. Not the worst one, but the one I was reluctant to tackle or battle. When I first moved out of home, I was faced with a bleak reality composed of a common laundry room and a bucket. And loads of fun and adventure, but let's not get distracted by fun and keep focused on a serious matter. So, my personal belonging was not a cute bassing described in the story, but a bucket. My bucket was fairly cute. First, I felt quite apprehensive about using washing machines in the student residency, but soon I was left with no choice and even grew at ease with this idea. But, but... We all have things we cherish most that I would not want to feed to a steel-roaring monster. For me, those things are the tablecloths, I value kitchen too much, that's why what I put on the table to serve porridge, pasta, or cookies deserves extra care. Then other things, obviously and unfortunately, are everything that must be hand-washed according to a tag. And finally. I treasure lingerie and little tops to which I dedicated this story because these clothes make me feel feminine, invincible, and unbeatable. And they make me smile. Well, as I started making use of the bucket, I swiftly fell into genuinely enjoying the process of doing the laundry, of all the small moves involved. Um, I think that to some extent, laundry was making me feel more grown up and responsible than my first job or opening a bank account. This might sound silly, but that's how I felt. There are several ways of showing love and care for the objects that surround us. Assembling an IKEA table is fun, but not so frequent, so I found my pleasure in doing laundry. And that was the inspiration for the story. I put the character in a fictional setting of a lovely apartment, a place where I would like to do laundry on Thursday mornings. Well, that's it. I will not be keeping you for any longer. Thank you once again. I will be back very soon with a new story. Have a lovely day and salut!